This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Is there a wrong time to buy real estate? Because we all hear housing prices are too high. Um, you know, is, it, is there a wrong time to, to come to start? There's a wrong time to buy retail, meaning pay retail, pay, pay full price. I'm not a pay full price kind of guy. I buy below the median. I find good deals. I'm a deal hunter. And if you develop that skill where you can build the relationships or have the marketing savvy to generate opportunities, remember, look, look down your average American street right now. 85% of those people that own that real estate will never sell at a discount. They want to sell at retail. And unless you're going to do an Airbnb or something that like really magnifies the returns of the real estate, it'd be a bad investment. But the other 15% of those houses and the homeowners that own them are going through a divorce, losing their job, being relocated. The house is old and ugly, can't get, like, think of this. If I'm trying to market in Phoenix, Arizona, I have all this competition, right? It's a very hot market. All the hedge funds are here. Everybody's trying to get deals. If I just go to one of the tertiary markets, meaning like, like a little border town, like Kingman, Arizona, that is a very fun and easy market for me to do real estate deals. They're smaller deals, and there's lots of like manufactured homes on land. Well, it's a double wide trailer, basically, manufactured home built in the 1990s. That the only way they can trade those assets and, and sell them is through seller financing. So it's a great rental market. They all rent between, you know, $1,100 and $1,200, $1,300 a month. I might be able to get into one of those where the seller is my bank. They own it free and clear. They seller finance me for 400 a month and I rent it for 1200 a month. I get 20 of those easy. I go scoop up. I just crush that tertiary market, scoop up 20 of those, rent all of them on a lease option or a rent to own program. And I forget about them. And now I have an extra six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month in pure cash flow coming in just from one little tiny market that most people overlook. So I, I wouldn't go buy retail, but I would deal hunt. And, and there is a strategy for every market cycle. So like the reason people love what I do is I'm always so far out in front of the curve, marketing wise and creative wise, strategy wise, that I like me talking about this virtual real estate, right? Nobody else really knows how to do it. They're not talking about it. I'm already putting on web classes and webinars, teaching people like, and it's not like I know everything. I'm bringing in an experts that know this stuff. It was like, how did you build your digital building on your digital plot of land? Like, oh, it's a programmer. Well, where did you get that programmer? How do they know what to do? How much does that cost? How do you get an ROI on it? And then I learn as I interview people, just like you're doing with me. And next thing you know, I got a, a class on digital real estate. I, 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 I could interview for the next six hours. I don't think I'm putting on a real estate masterclass yet, just yet, but but yeah, I, I, that that's essentially, you know, that's what I like about you is that you're always ahead. And one of the things that I noticed about you is that you, you, you're, you're entirely into coaching and not just, and not just about real estate, but money too. If you follow your content, I mean, anyone who follows your content knows that. And I think entrepreneurship and financial literacy, uh, unfortunately do not go hand in hand. Right. And I think, there, I think there's, there's big problems. And I'm often shocked about how many business owners suck at money and don't even know their numbers. And I'm even more fascinated with people's mindset around money. I know you're passionate about this topic. So where's the most, 
what are the most common mistakes, I guess, the myths, the falsehoods when it comes to money and how people should approach? Um, and what does the winning mindset, uh, the winning money mindset yeah. look like to you? Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. First off, you can never save your way to wealth. You, you are on a backwards treadmill going the absolute wrong direction. Uh, the government takes their piece. Inflation is eating your dollars up. And most people think that they're either their primary residence is saving their way to wealth or they'll just make money and save it. It's stupid to hold on to money. Money is a tool. And I said it earlier, money loves speed. The faster it come, the faster you can get it to come in, the faster you can get it to go out, the better off you're going to be. Now, it's all what you're, it's going out for, the assets, limiting liabilities. So for me, when I think about money, most people have a broken money mindset because of the way they were raised. And for me, I would go to my dad and I would say when I was a little kid, hey, dad, can I get this new bike? And he'd go, what am I made of money? What do you think money grows on trees? Like we would hear these sayings. And so they would imprint on us. And that's because one of two things happened. Either your parents had a hardcore scarcity mindset because of the Great Depression and what they grew up around. They were like, you know, they would they were hoarders, right? They would they would hoard their money. They'd all say, like, I want to be rich and I want a lot. So they'd, they'd say these things, but really their actions were the opposite. Their actions were holding the money. And that's how my parents were. My dad's dad died when he was 13 years old. So he had to be responsible right out of the gates as a little kid. And uh, so he just always had this really tough time investing money. He had a very big scarcity mindset. My mom was a saver. She always would tell me, Cody, you got to save your money. You got to get a good CD. You got to get a good return on a good CD and save your money. And so that's how I thought about money my whole life. And they also grew up like my parents too. grew up at the time where the interest rate at the banks were like 8%. So they actually could save their money in the bank. Hey, Jason here. I hate to interrupt this episode. I'm, you're probably enjoying it so much right now. And thank you for paying attention to it and tuning into this episode. Look, the truth is I really need a favor from you. We really want to keep getting this in the hands of more and more people. So if you could do me a favor and head on over and leave a five-star review, leave us a review, leave us some comments, share it with friends, spread the love. It would mean the world to me as well. Continue the conversation with me on Instagram at Jason Portnoy. Follow along there. Look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the episode. It, was a, it wasn't a horrible deal, but you know, I know my parents' outcome. They're not rich. <laughs> yeah. you know, and they did that program and uh, I'm the first um, millionaire and multimillionaire in, in my family. So it wasn't until I got around my first mentor that I started to shift my language patterns about money. And it was just me saying to myself, it's kind of, you know, I'm not a big fan of manifesting, but I think, I think it's important that you start talking to yourself about money differently and try to break those shackles. So for me, I would say things like money loves me, money loves to be around me, money loves to multiply around me. I'm good with money. Right. And that was the kid that used to be at the overdraft or at the bank counter trying to waive my overdraft fee, you know, being like, I know it's my fourth time asking, <laughs> please waive this fee. So I, I had to work really hard on it. And uh, a great book, this is one of my favorite books. Um, let me make sure I get the guy's name. It's like Morgan Hansel or Hansel. Hold on. The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Great book. Great book. Great, great book. So read that, the Psychology of Money. It'll at least get you thinking the right way about money. And now, like my whole, everything I do is very, you mentioned entrepreneurs really sucking at KPIs and tracking stuff. Uh, a, a KPI is a key performance indicator. 
as an entrepreneur, you cannot wing it. Winging it's not a strategy. You cannot fly blind. You have to see your numbers. And I think it's scary for people that aren't good at math to really stare at numbers all day long and really understand and try to extrapolate and understand what it is that it's telling you. And so for me, my, my team, they it drive, I drive them crazy, but I, every day I'm getting reports. Every day I'm seeing KPIs. I build out Plecto dashboards and really pretty visuals because I need to see trends over time. Without it, I'm just not smart enough to know the next move to make. But when we all stare at this dashboard, this like CEO dashboard where we're like, oh, okay, I can see these milestones and what's happening trending over time. I had it backwards. Like in the, I used to pride myself on top line revenue as an entrepreneur. Uh, we did 5 million this year. We did 10 million this year. We did 25 million this year. And I was like growing this company and like, it felt so good to say I did 25 million in a single year. But um, my problem is as I grew, my cash flow went significantly down. And that was what I should have been focusing on. I should, I should have been focusing on profit margins and cash flow. And instead, I focused on top line revenue. So all of our incentives for our sales guys and everything were all around top line revenue. So, but would you say that was the wrong strategy or just the wrong strategy as you started growing? Because because I, I I see the the debate, right? When you're starting a business, it's about top line revenue. You got to grow top line because you need to bring people in and then you could always trim the fat later on. So was it just the wrong strategy at the level you were at? Or was yeah, it the cross, wrong strategy altogether? Once you cross over the... $3 million mark. I think that's about when I started noticing. And the way I, the analogy is it's a balloon, right? With a bunch of holes in it. When it's, the balloon is just barely blown up. The holes don't make a big difference. But when they really blow up, all of a sudden it's like the, the holes are a problem. And um, for me, cash flow management is the most important skill set for a business owner. Because it's the hardest thing to, to understand why your cash flow is so bad. And once you set those bad standards, it's really hard to unwind it because you affect culture. So I just screwed up because I never changed. I never evolved as an entrepreneur. I just kept doing the same thing over and over and over. And once I got to about 75 team members, I used to call them employees, right? But now I call them team members, right? Because I I, I like that. Yeah. Um, who wants to work for somebody else? I mean, nobody does. I, I, they're all in, entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. They're entrepreneurs. And um, around 75 team members is when I really started taking culture seriously. We always were having fun and I had private chefs and I had team bonding experience and stuff, but I, I just did it naturally. I wasn't really thinking about how it was affecting my team. Uh, then, then the wheel started to fall off because a lot of the people that I was building the business with, I started to realize those aren't the people I'm going to end the game with. And that's a hard thing as an entrepreneur because you, I have a lot of loyalty in me, but Pay structure was wrong. Commission structure was wrong. The way we were walled off in certain departments where I couldn't, as the business owner, see certain things because of the hands-off approach I took in, at certain le levels of the business. And the people that were with me in the beginnings, they felt like it was their company. They felt like they deserved more. And if you ask the number one sales guy in your company what, what they want, they always say more. Hmm. And I just, I failed miserably. And I'm, I'm glad now looking back that I did, but we hit that 25 million mark and I crashed fast back down, trying to unwind a lot of the bad stuff that we had set up. It was a very hard learning 
two, two or three years it took us to work our way through all of that. Um, but I came out the other end and I realized that alignment equals velocity. And the number one mistake most entrepreneurs make is they know what they do. They know how they do it. They know why they do it, but they don't know how to explain to their best quality team people what's in it for them if they do it alongside you. So it's this, it's this vision. It's this alignment problem on CEOs and entrepreneurs have. And once I understood how to go deeper with a person and really pull them out of the work environment and get to know their family, get to know. I had people that I had no idea their wife was dealing with like stage two or three cancer. And here I am running the business like a, like a boss, right? Like, you know, very almost like unemotional when I have these team members that are very emotional and it, I'm wondering why they don't look at it the same way as me. And it's because they have all this heavy stuff going on. So once I started breaking bread with them, working out with them, going on vacations with my team, I used to wall off my team and say, there's this line that I can't cross, right? This fraternization type line where it's like, I, I don't want them to know me too much. They won't respect me if they know me. Like it was this weird dynamic and it was my own bullshit self-limiting beliefs. Once I crossed that and I got, I understood how to go deeper with people. That's when the alignment started happening. Because now I can build the three-year plan and talk to you about your bonus structure and, and look at my cash flow metrics and my profit metrics and say, these are the incentives for you guys to get what you want out of your life and your, your job. This is how I, what I want, and this is how we get alignment between the two of us. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you for your attention. And if you made it this far, you're clearly somebody who wants to take their business to the next level. You want to get better. And I understand that being an entrepreneur sometimes can feel like a little bit of a lonely journey, which is why being part of a thriving community of like-minded people is just so important. It was super helpful in my own development as well. And as is the ability to instantly get answers to the questions you may have in order to grow and scale your business. It's for that reason why I launched a consulting coaching program called the Market Domination Method. And guess what? If you're listening to this and you hear this, we're open for applications right now for new members to join. So to request an invitation or to book a free diagnostic call, call it a game plan call. I'll literally sit with you and demonstrate the value that we could bring to your business on that call. Let's jump on a call. Uh, we'll discuss ways you could possibly grow your business. Head on over to jportnoy.com, J-P-O-R-T-N-O-Y.com. You'll find all the different ways you could work together. It's going to be the best business decision you'll make. So hope to speak soon. Head on over to jportnoy.com, book that free game plan call, and I look forward to talking to you soon.